0: Um, We are continuing our series of The Gift, More Than We Had Hoped, and uh, last week we talked, well, we're looking at how we can offer our prayers uh, as a gift to God, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness each week. Last week was prayers, how uh, prayer is something we offer to God. Um, It gives Him great joy to simply be with Him in prayer. Uh, Don't overthink it, Um, and today we're looking at presence. Not presents under the tree at Christmas, but S E N C E presents, how we can, that's a gift we can offer. Uh, not just, I mean, so much of church is simply showing up, right? And, hey, you're doing great. Look at you. You're here. Uh, and you're home. Uh, that's part of it, yeah. Just simply showing up. Uh, but not just coming to only consume, but presence implies service, showing up uh, to serve. Because the church is comprised of people. Right, That's what the church is built on. It is people like you and me, uh, uh, motivated and moved by the Holy Spirit. And when people show up to serve, the church is better. We are better together. We are better than when you're here, than when you're not here. We're stronger than when you're here, than when you're not here. Because God is for people. He is for all people. Jesus is for all people. Wesley Memorial is for all people always has been, always will be, and we are for all people growing into the most Christ-like, most servant-hearted self. Now, I was born in South Georgia, and I lived there until I was seven, and I'm very much a son of North Carolina, though. My whole family's from North Carolina. Very thoroughly Southern person. Proudly so. Amen. Come on, biscuits and sweet tea. Um, Hey, hey. Uh, And gravy. Now, a few years ago, uh, it's my people, the South. It's just my people. Uh, a few years ago, I took my son to the Winston-Salem Open Tennis Tournament at Wake Forest. My dad went to Wake. Always been fans. I love tennis. And that's more of a wine and cheese kind of crowd, you know. It's a little more hoity-toity a little bit. You know? And I, those are my people. I love that, those people. Then that same night, we drove from Grove Stadium to... Uh, to the the car races at Bowman Gray. I didn't have to say anything. Wine and cheese, Bud Light. Flows like a river. Mullets. Abound. And NASCAR did see and say that it was good. Smelling unleaded fuel Did you know that they use they use leaded fuel until just a few years ago? (laughs) Crazy, Um, but anyway, I love those people. Those are my people. You know, it made me think about sometimes you see southern ingenuity on the road, like this picture. You have a generator on the back and a (laughs) and a window unit. I don't need a compressor under my hood. I got a window. That's not dangerous. Those are my people. I love you, whoever you are. Or do you remember all the COVID stuff when people wore like scuba gear to the to, to the grocery store and stuff? Garbage bags, and you got pool noodle man, six feet. Or uh, I love this picture. The guy puts a recliner on his boat. Like, I mean, that's ingenuity. That is my people. Lastly, all I could afford, (laughs) it's my people. Oh, look how cheap gas was. That was a few years ago. These are my people. These are God's people. God is for people. The church is people, being present, to serve. The church is not a budget. It's not a building. It's not a beautiful building, as great as it is. The church is not a worship service, but the the present you are in worship, the present you are to serve, the better the church is. First Peter chapter two, the apostle Peter writes, come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, talking about Jesus, he's the cornerstone of this whole thing, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. So let yourself be built, that's important doesn't just happen to be a holy priesthood set apart holy do your best god's help to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ for it stands in scripture see i'm laying in zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame so that's talking about jesus of course you know i remember when i was in college i would uh, play basketball all night and uh, not all night, but, you know, pretty late. I was 19 or 20 years old. And you wake up and you feel great. It's like, it's like nothing happened, you know? Now you wake up and I felt like I didn't do anything and I'm sore. Was that you? You wake up and you're like, oh, oh. You know, it's like your foot decided to take the day off, you know? Like, sorry, buddy. Or your back or your elbow or whatever. It's like, what if you woke up in your daily life and your, your elbow said, sorry, not today, Right? Or your foot said, forget about it. Or your eye said, I'm taking the day off. You could get through the day. You, would, you, would, you wouldn't be as productive as you could have been, but you would, you would get through. You know, The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 that the church is like a body. He gives this analogy extensively. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just how we operate like a living organism. And just as there are parts of the body, one part of the body can't say to the other, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to help you or do anything. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we close with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there be, be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now he is saying here that we are a body; that the the church has always been seen this way. We are not a five hundred one c three only or something. We are a living organism we are living stones being built up but we have to let ourselves be that built up into a temple acceptable to the lord with jesus as the cornerstone but jesus is also the head he's the head of the body he is the one that makes the decisions and that we should follow in whichever way he wants to lead and you know when he is present we should take his lead follow his leadership he's the head it's like um i remember in college uh the food at parents' weekend was always way better than any other weekend. And you would be like, man, this food is good. And they go, because well, your parents are here. They're paying your bill. That's why it's good. And as soon as the parents left, it was back to the old slop we were used to. Uh, back to the salad bar. You know, I, I had a friend that was on a flight recently, and they said the, the flight crew was amazing. They were like so attentive and kind, and they gave us extra pretzels, and they were like just awesome. And my friend who flies a lot pulled one of the ladies, the flight attendants aside and said, well, well, you guys are the best flight crew I've ever seen. And she said, well, look in seat 2A. She's our supervisor. She's on the flight. You know, when someone is watching, you tend to step up your game and not just be present, but be more than that, to be present, to serve, to give your best self. Christ is the head of all of this, not me for sure, and not you, and he is the one that causes the body to move and to act if we're paying attention. Um, so much great ministry uh, occurs in the local church when people just show up and serve. And you simply be present. Because when you're present, ministry happens. And nothing gives a pastor a greater thrill than when people do stuff for Jesus without being asked. Like, don't, you know, uh, it's, it's a loose, holistic, organic type of thing. And there's lots of examples I could give you. One is, like Anne-Marie said earlier, she was needing volunteers on that Sunday, and she prayed about it, and these people just showed up without being at well, the Lord told them, but without her even asking them. Or we did this classic car cruise in a few months ago, and a hundred, hundreds of people showed up for that, and it was a really fun event and Harriet Mattis and Michael Amos, a bunch of other people decided, we're going to open the doors of the sanctuary and let people walk in it and give a tour. 150 people walked through the sanctuary. People that said, I've driven by here a thousand times. I've never even been in here, you know. I mean, that's, it's a beautiful thing. But they, because they were present, it happened. Or this care ambassadors ministry we have, where they just simply make a phone call and touch base with people. This church has over 22, 2,100 members on the books. So, you know, just to reach out and say, we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. We had a lady, um, the person this week who had a distressing health diagnosis and very upset about it. But they said, that very same day, my care ambassador called me to let me, and they didn't know about this, but to let me then know they were praying for me. I mean, that's just amazing. That's ministry because this person that made the call was simply saying, I'm here to serve. I'm here to be not just physically present, but to serve so much of church is simply showing up, but not just to consume, but to spur one another on to good deeds. Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrews, reminds us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, We profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, some things never change, does it? <laughs> But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, the return of Christ, approaching. We need to spur each other on, because I'm the same way. If I didn't work in a church, I would be very tempted to be like, well, I'm going I'm to lay off this week, you know, I'm going to go play golf or, or whatever. Um, but we need to spur one another on, because the church is a body. We're not a business. The church is people. The church is not a loose confederacy of people with their own perspectives. We are a united body. We are a living organism. We're not a corporation. We're not a political super PAC. We're not just a large nonprofit with a board of directors. We need to be spurred on because you are not yourself by yourself. You are not yourself by yourself. And you and I cannot live the Christian life alone. You can't do it. People today think they can, I don't need church. I'll just watch Andy Stanley on, online, or I'll watch Elevation online, or whatever. And that's fine. It's great. Those are great ministries. But it's not, it's not church. It's not church like this. And I love watching this service online when I've been out of town. It's a wonderful oper- tool we have, but it's not the same. Right? When you're physically here. And you know, I love and appreciate online worship. I was one of the biggest proponents for these cameras and all this technology it's been a great tool we reach over 6,000 people a month through online worship and television you know that's that's amazing 6,000 people across the state all over the world Um, and I'm thankful for that but there are no lone rangers when it comes to following Jesus and you hear this a lot today I'm spiritual but I'm not religious or I'm a Christian but I don't need the church that is a misnomer that is a dangerous position to take because it's sort of like let's say you're married and you live in the same house as you would do and you don't ever talk to your spouse so on paper you're married but if you don't talk to your spouse the intimacy will suffer won't it we'll have some problems pretty quick and it's like yeah you believe in god on paper that's great But if you don't communicate with God, if you don't have the sacraments, if you don't have worship, if you don't have the word being proclaimed, the intimacy will suffer. And we will all stumble and fall. We get complacent. We may even get angry and silo ourselves away from the body. We need to be spurred on to have a check on our fallen, sinful, human condition, and it's one thing to be spurred on to good deeds, to be spurred on to be present, and it's another thing to receive that, right? Because sometimes, like even myself, when people are super chipper, and they're trying to like encourage me and stuff, and you're kind of in a bad mood, and you're like, oh shut up, I don't want to hear that, you know, you're like, kind of chafe at it, you know? That, we've all been there. It reminded me of a uh, comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes, like, which is the best comic strip of all time. Argue with me if you want. And it, uh, I found it. I found it this week. Lucy's all pumped up, and Calvin's in a bad mood at the bus stop. Bring it up. Let's, let's look at it real quick. Do I have it in there? I didn't drag it in there? Yeah, drag it Okay. Well, at the end, Calvin, she's like, Calvin, what's wrong with you? He's in a bad mood, and, she, and he, he says, Lucy, go step in front of a cement truck. <laughs> and Lucy's like, whatever, Calvin. And then Calvin says, nothing helps a bad mood better than spreading it around, you know? <laughs> and... And sometimes we feel like that. When someone tries to spur us on to good deeds, we're like, no, I'm having fun with being in a bad mood. But I would say you have to press through those negative emotions because many times the Spirit of God knows what you need more than you know what you need and that he loves us too much to leave us in that place because you get bitter and cynical and lonely and you get trapped inside your own head and all that stuff and you need community, you need fellowship, You can't do it on your own. You're not supposed to do it on your own. God is in eternal fellowship with God's self. So why in the world would he create the church any differently in that regard? Being present is not always easy, but it is always good. It is always good. You know, it reminds me of a story of a husband and wife that were getting ready for worship one morning. go to church, and the husband is sitting At the kitchen table in his underwear reading the paper and the wife's putting on her earrings and she's getting the makeup and she's ready to go and uh, she's like come on honey we gotta go and the husband says i'm not going and the wife says well why not i'll tell you why i don't like those people and those people don't like me and she said you are going to go to church and i'll tell you why because you need to hear the word of god proclaimed and secondly you're the pastor So put on your pants. <laughs> Every time you've been encouraged to go to church, have you ever regretted it? Every time you have been in your daily life and you feel prompting to pray or to read the Bible, have you ever regretted that? Have you ever gone, man, that was a waste of time? You haven't. It's spurring on to good deeds. Every time you've done that, it's been for your good to be encouraged to be present. And people may think, what do I have to offer? I am just a fill in the blank. I'm just a, be careful with self-pity. Self-pity won't do you any good. I would say self-pity is not even from God. I would say self-pity holds you down. It is a danger to our souls. I think self-pity is a tool the enemy uses to repress you spiritually. Self-pity stifles your spiritual growth and it tears churches apart. Self-pity says, I know better than God. I know better than my fellow Christian brother or sister. Don't talk to me. Be careful with that. Because what if Mother Teresa said, I got nothing to offer? She's just a person like me and you. What if Martin Luther King Jr. said, I'm going to hang it up. I'm feeling bad about myself today. What if he didn't go the distance? What if John Wesley licked his wounds and decided to let someone else take care of it? Where would we be? Where would this church be without all the people that built this beautiful place? Don't listen to self-pity. So much of church is simply showing up, and not just showing up, but showing up to serve. Because the Son of Man... He came to serve, not to be served. So if that's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for you, right? We're gonna do a thing called a ministry expo on October 23rd in two weeks. And outside, after all the services, we'll have tables set up with all the ministries going on and ways you can get connected. It's a really cool thing. We did it last year for the first time. We're gonna do it again. So be looking for that. Um, as a way to find your place, I'm going to pray for us as we continue to worship. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your goodness this morning. Thank you for your presence, and thank you, Jesus, that you are, were, and are fully present, and that you did not take your identity as God as something to be held over our heads, but you laid it aside and took up the mantle of a servant to be fully engaged, to be fully present to the needs of the sheep of your pasture. Holy Spirit, help us walk in that way, letting go of our rights, perceived rights, and offering them to you. What would you have us do, head of this body? Give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we continue to worship you in this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here.